Welcome back, everybody, to the Real Madrid podcast. Now, coming up, I'm going to be talking to BN Sports Madrid commentator Phil Shane about what has been a particularly difficult week for the club this week and what potentially the future holds. First, though, let's catch up with what has been happening today on the eve of the first Clasico. Just about the best news that Madrid could have had right at this moment is that Sergio Ramos is fit. He will be available and he does start. Coach Zidane has concluded his press conference. Questions in plentiful supply, certainly on Sergio Ramos early on. Uh, Sergio, he said, is our leader, our captain. We were never going to risk anything. He is recovered. He will be with us. It is about being 100%, which Sergio already is. On his personal feelings at the moment, well, it was simple and to the point. He said, you have to think positively. He was then asked how self-critical he is. He said, I've always been critical of myself, but we know as a club we can change things together. After defeats, most of the criticism, he said, is aimed at me. That is normal, but I am not living in the past. The most important thing is what is coming up. So does he feel that he has the support of the president? He said, I've seen support from everybody. These players have won a great deal with me. I will always stand by them. They fight, they fight and they run. When things get worse, I have seen that they have character. We must show this tomorrow. And then the inevitable question, is his future at stake? His response, he said, I will not deny it. But remember, last season we had difficult moments about this time of the year. What I have to do is do my job. The rest is up to others. Well, it is a big day for Ronald Koeman as well. He was asked for his views on Madrid at the moment. He said, I think there is a lot of pressure on both teams to win this game. Madrid may have lost the last two, but that doesn't mean that they will arrive here with low morale. It is a big squad with experienced players who know how to handle pressure. They know they have to win the game. What's happened recently is all in the past. I do not expect a vulnerable Madrid team. On the contrary, and we must be prepared. Now, for some people, there couldn't be a worse time to be coming into such a big game, but Barcelona hold no fear for Zidane at camp now. He's never lost there in five games. He's drawn 3-1-2, which places him second to Munoz, who won four in a row here. Now, in his first trip, Sergio Ramos was sent off. The following season, Ramos it was who silenced the stadium with a 90th-minute headed equaliser. Same year, Madrid won 3-1 in the Super Cup. In May of 2018, it ended 2-2. Gareth Bale levelling the scores in that game. And in his fifth visit here last season, it ended 0-0. Let's have a look at a few of the numbers then. Barcelona undefeated in 32 of the last 33 games at home in La Liga. Uh, so far this season, Madrid have played five games to Barcelona's four. Madrid with six goals to Barcelona's eight. Uh, shots per game, 13.8 for Real Madrid, 10.8 for Barcelona, but only 3.6 on target for Real Madrid, 4.8 for Barcelona. Yellow cards, nine to Real Madrid, seven to Barcelona. 
No red cards for Real Madrid. There's one for Barcelona. I went to Lengley as for possession. Little to choose between the two. 60% average for Real Madrid. 59% for Barcelona. Past completion rate, again, little to choose. 86.9 for Real Madrid. 87.5 for Barcelona. Uh, balls won aerially. Quite a lot of difference here. 13.2 per game for Real Madrid. Six for Barcelona tackles per game. Again, Real Madrid getting more in, 13.6 to 11.5 for Barcelona. Fouls per game, 9.6 Real Madrid, 10 for Barcelona. And offsides per game, 4 for Real Madrid and just the 1.5 for Barcelona. Vinicius with two is the top scorer for Real Madrid. Valverde, Ramos and Benzema, the other goal scorers. Two assists provided by Benzema and the other went to Rodrigo. Benzema with 3.8 shots per game has more shots on goal than anybody else. Vinicius on three is just behind him. Uh, four goal scorers for Barcelona. Ansu Fati with three is the top scorer. Messi, Coutinho, Robert are the others. Coutinho with two assists is the top provider there so far. Jordi Alba with the other one. Leo Messi has doubled the number of shots per game than any other player. That stands at 3.8. What about the history then between these two over the years? So depending on what games you count, uh, I'm going to start here from 1928-29. And two goals from Rafael Moreira gave Real Madrid a first victory in the first La Liga meeting, which was indeed in Barcelona. From then up to today, 215 games then in La Liga, Cup and Europe. Madrid still have the advantage with 88 victories to 82 for Barca with 45 games drawn. Now Messi, though, does remain the king of this fixture. 26 goals in all he scored against Real Madrid. That is eight ahead of Ronaldo. Real Madrid's form hasn't been memorable in this fixture of late. Last season's 2-0 home victory ended a run of seven games without a victory. Uh, Vinicius and a late goal, remember, by Mariano seeding the win that day. Last win in this fixture away from home, 2017-18 in the Super Cup. In a game where Pique scored an own goal, Ronaldo and Asensio with the other goals. The last Liga victory in Barcelona was back in April of 2016. Pique this time on the right end of the score sheet for Barcelona that day. Uh, two goals in the last half an hour, though. Benzema and Ronaldo off of a Gareth Bale assist won the day. Now, Madrid have found goals a little bit difficult to come by in this fixture. Prior to last season's home victory, they hadn't actually scored in the three previous Clásicos. Overall, though, in terms of goals, the next two for Real Madrid will take them up to 350. Barcelona stand on 300. And 35. Right, coming up next, then I'm going to be talking to Phil Shane of Be In Sport about uh, the current predicament that Real Madrid find themselves in and tomorrow's El Clasico. I want to start at the beginning of the season. Madrid had a clear choice of path here spend big, add to an already bloated squad, or what they have done, which is in these highly uncertain times, is to try and secure their immediate financial future, selling excess players, reducing the squad number, and more importantly, reducing debt and expense. 
So the result of that is we know the squad isn't deep. We knew at the start of the season it wasn't going to be easy. So is what we've seen in this season so far unexpected? That's a tough one, Tim, uh, because Zinedine Zidane through his entire managerial career has not been one to splash cash. Uh, I mean, you could point to Aiden Hazard, but that might be it. Uh, and even that, that really hasn't been the greatest payoff just because of injuries and fitness and the like. But he tends to like what he sees in front of him, what Real Madrid tends to produce. Um, I think you take a look at uh, Martin Odegaard perhaps being the biggest example this year, someone that they did have, that they did sign for relatively cheap in the modern world and then loaned him out and, and saw him blossom to the point where they see a chance for him to step in. The problem is he hasn't quite stepped up. Neither has Luka Jovic. Uh, so I, I think they've tried to spend spark money. Uh, I, I think also it's one of those situations where very rarely do we see Real Madrid, even when they're on a roll under Zidane, just roll over teams. They tend to be able to do what it takes to, to edge out a win, sometimes more comfortably than others, like towards the tail end of last season. But Really, it's not the type of team that's going to throw five spots on everyone. Doesn't help, though, does it, that you have got the performance of the players that left because they weren't perhaps deemed good enough, almost up in lines. I mean, Brahim Diaz has had a, a pretty special start mm -hmm. over in Milan. You've had Reguillon. been outstanding at everything. Yeah. Uh, and James Rodriguez. Uh, so every one of these players, and you've also got um, Ashraf Hakimi, who's bedding into life uh, at Inter. All of these players are beginning to shine. And Gareth Bale, even, to a point. And, yeah, yeah. And just even look at some of the players that are here. Odegaard uh, looked great at Sociedad. Odriet Sola looked solid. Mariano was outstanding when he went to France. And then he comes back, and he's Mariano, basically hurt and ineffective. So it, it is part of the weight of the jersey, I think. But I, I, the answer to your first question, I don't think it's that much of a surprise that they have not thrived. The surprise that I have is that they took that one-in-a-million shot to the jaw by Cadiz and did not respond. They ended up getting knocked down again uh, the very next time against Shakhtar. I didn't think it was going to be that high-scoring an affair. I thought that they would try and lock it down. I mean, the last time they met five years ago, there were seven goals, and mm -hmm. it took some late heroics. So I, I kind of expected Zidane to have them ready for this one. The fact that they weren't has to bring a little bit of a concern. Now, you go into a Barcelona that many people were expecting to go through this, and you're seeing them start to click. Not perfectly, uh, and Ronald Koeman is one of those ones. He's going to grind the gears, but for a purpose. I mean, what he ended up doing with Griezmann didn't really work, so Griezmann sits. What he did with Messi, and I thought it was stupid. I, I talked to other friends who basically said, it's Dutch. Uh, but his Dutch mentality has not worked outside of the Netherlands much. You just take a look at Valencia. It was a total disaster. Uh but it was really strange, and maybe give him credit, he's matured from his time with the national team and all of those superstars and experience in the Premier League as well, uh, that perhaps he sensed 
that Lionel Messi would have had all the excuses in the world after making the, the appearances for Argentina, including 90 minutes at altitude in Bolivia, to just cruise just a little bit uh, when he came back and, and prepare to, to pick up in a couple of games. But Koeman, a sh- couple of shots across the bow and said, hey, everyone can see this guy's not playing that well. So the next time he goes out, and it was one of his best performances in years. So Koeman seems to be reading the room a little bit better than Zidane, and that's one reason I, I would kind of sense that normally I can't see Real Madrid having a third bad game in a row, but I think that Barcelona is probably a little bit better prepared for this weekend. Koeman said earlier on today that he doesn't expect a vulnerable Real Madrid to appear, but surely playing on the minds of these players is going to be the performance of those two previous games, in particular that performance on Wednesday, more than the one last weekend. That's a that's one-off, it can happen. But as you said, to follow it up with a performance that was equally as ineffective, that is a cause for concern. Oh, it is. And I think we're also looking at a guy who, I don't want to say the Midas touch has tarnished, but perhaps because of the absence of big-name signings who mandate their position in the roster and on the field, there's been a little bit more tinkering. I know he tried to get Jovic in with Benzema, and he tried to go with a narrow diamond in the midfield, first with Odegaard, then with Isco, trying Modric there, and nothing seemed to click for 90 minutes. Uh, he was thinking maybe Casemiro might be a little either tired or long in the tooth, pulled him, and that proved to be disastrous. So it's going to be really interesting to see this play, plus also with the fact that uh, what's he going to do at fullback? I mean, he's he's missing Carvajal. Odriet Sol is probably out. Uh, He's brought Marcelo in for Mendy in, in a couple of recent games, and while Marcelo does have that offensive flair. Many can provide a good cross. Many can provide speed down the line. But Marcelo just has that touch of class. What was the line? Um, it's kind of, I can't remember if it was Cafu, but basically like Marcelo's the type of guy that just runs down the field and he's planting daisies all the way. I mean, there, there's a creativity and a beauty to his game that Mendy will never have. But you also then have more defensive frailties, with a Ramos who's a little bit older and a little bit more injured, a Varane who's a little bit more susceptible. Uh, There are some weaknesses here for Real Madrid. At the same point, this is the same team that was able to grind out wins at the start of the season, get what they could out of Benzema. Uh, I I think that the the odds-on result is going to be like a 1-1, 2-2. But I think if there's an odd goal, I don't see it going Real Madrid's way. He's got a very good record, Zidane, by the way, hasn't he, at uh, camp now. He's never lost there. So there's not going to be fear uh, around him, which is going to transmit to the squad. Uh, It's said that he's going to play a 4-4-2 tomorrow, so he's going to beef up the midfield to give a little bit more protection to, you know, a, a somewhat makeshift back four. But that 4-4-2 was with Vinicius, who tends to play better wide on the left. Um, I'm not going to say he and Benzema get in each other's way a little bit, but Benzema likes to pull out wide and uh, and then find someone in the middle. Uh, that didn't really work, or at least it didn't pay off with Jovic. 
Uh, Vinicius is not the type of guy that will camp out often in the middle, so that means someone else needs to step up. Uh, and when you talk about four four two, I mean, is that the offensive formation? Is that mm. the defensive formation? Because we've seen more and more Valverde pushing up out on the wing where he's useful, but it seems to take him out of his primary position, which is um, almost as a mirror to cross in the midfield or a replacement thereof. Uh, I, it's, I don't know if it's rearranging deck chairs. Zidane just seems to be throwing darts at the wall and hoping something sticks at the moment. Uh, and that's a very unusual circumstance for Zidane since he's taken over at Real Madrid. What are you going to do with Luka Jovic? Now, it's clear that his, his confidence is completely shot. You know, he has been used so sparingly over the time. He's just sat on the substitutes bench. He's appeared, what, three times, by the way, uh, this season. He's still only scored the two goals in his 20-odd games. Should he have gone out on loan somewhere this season just to rebuild his confidence? It's looking more and more like that would be a big benefit. You also, though, have to realize that you need someone to take him on loan. And with a lot of the other deals that were going on for Real Madrid, they had to sweeten the pot a little bit. Well, you look at the Gareth Bale move. Uh, and I don't think they were quite ready or perhaps able to do that with a guy that's, what, still 21 years of age. Mm. So I think they rolled the dice. They're hoping things will work out their way. And, and we've seen some flashes. But again... While he's getting shots, not as many as he needs, and they're still not as clinical as they need, especially for the guy that they were bringing in to either spell or replace Kareem Benzema. Uh, he's more of a central forward. He needs service from out wide. And again, maybe because uh, of some of the tinkering from Zidane, it, it's just strange that when he is out there, a lot of times they don't have players that will swing balls in to his strength. We know he can score. Maybe the Bundesliga is not La Liga, but it's not chopped liver either. And this is a guy that scored nearly 30 goals there mm -hmm. not that long ago. Uh, you kind of sense that maybe last year was a transition. That can happen a lot when you move to a big team. This year, as I said, he seems to have, I wouldn't call it confidence, but uh, he looks a little more comfortable out there. Maybe the fact that Zidane did not ship him off to Siberia uh, so he's he's feeling as though he is a little bit more of a Real Madrid player, but they need to see some payoff. Otherwise, he's just going to be mired to the end of the bench. It seems somewhat disingenuous to talk about the future of a coach, Zidane, who has just delivered you a league title, yet the, the press and the media seem to be you know, somewhat obsessed. It is the way that they always are, of course. I mean, there's no hiding place at Madrid, same way there's no hiding place at Barcelona either. But is there a question mark over Zidane? If there was a defeat in uh, Clasico, uh, could it uh, affect his future, uh, either from the club deciding that we need to look elsewhere or him himself. I mean, we know he's uh, not afraid to make a major decision. Could he decide that, look, I need to walk away? That, I think, is more likely, and maybe there might be a, how would you say, a word of encouragement from Florentino. You have to remember that Zidane is a favored son 
um, personally, perhaps even as well as with the club. And you also take a look at what he has accomplished. And most people might just blow off a league title compared to the the back-to-back-to-back European successes that he had. But it was a league title that had eluded them uh, for a long part of the last decade. So it was a goal. It was an accomplishment, but it was somewhat tarnished by the way that they were ousted in Champions League. So now, okay, I guess you got that trophy in the case. Let's get back to business and try and win the big cup. And that's why I think that the Shakhtar result is more damaging to Zidane than the Cadiz result. Now, if they then get beaten, maybe even blown out by Barcelona, it's not going to be the end, but it might be the beginning thereof, especially when you have guys like Pochettino that are out there available, guys like Max Allegri. And with Allegri, the fact that win-lose-draw, Tuchel's probably gone from PSG and Supermax might be bringing all of the Italians to Paris next mm-hmm. year. So if Madrid wants him, they're going to have to get him earlier. I mean, it, th- Could you see a promotion of Raul, by the way? They've tried to work their way up, and I know Xavi Alonso uh, kind of slid over to Sociedad to, to kind of make room, and, and both of them can kind of work on their A badges and stuff, but... Too soon. You really, that doesn't seem like the Florentino move. That doesn't seem like a giant club move. Occasionally, you can kind of go disciplinarian to casual, kind of like with Mourinho to Ancelotti. Maybe you can uh, go Arsene Wenger through Unai Emery and then down to Arteta like Arsenal have tried to do. I don't see you going back-to-back. I think if this doesn't work, they're going to have to get a more proven person to step in, at least in the interim, uh, and give Raul maybe another few more seasons. Now, Raul does have the track record. Um, he, he's getting more experience now. But I, I, I would sense that if they think Zidane is not getting it done, they're going to look for a more proven property uh, to take over a team as important as Real Madrid. Has this been done with an eye on next summer? when the stadium will be completed and you're looking at this incredible arena, best stadium in the world, and then they've had a year of financial consolidation. They will know really where they are after a year again where you could have the complete season without any uh, supporters in the stadium. Are they then just uh, waiting to pounce on Haaland and uh, anybody else? I mean, obviously, Mbappe as well is is there too. I mean, French Liga have got their own financial issues with their television partners um, pulling out of paying them, I've seen today. Uh, So is it all geared to this? New stadium, big new signings, Galactico signings, and we're off and running again. And this season, it was just a write-off, but it was something we were prepared to do. It's more, I think, one of those things where circumstances played into this being maybe not a wise choice, but an understanding one. Uh, And I would agree there will be, if they went out and spent the big money, uh, there will be more funds coming in next year, or at least there'll be a better view of when those funds might return to normal. Uh, Real Madrid obviously may be less impacted the, the numbers might be larger, but I, I think that the resources are also deeper, less impacted than some of the, the lesser clubs in Spain and, as you point out, in France. 
I don't think a Holland will be there. I mean, you take a listen to some of the talk from Paul Scholes where he was kind of ridiculing the decision to try and go out and get wingers, even Jaden Sancho and the like, and bring him home saying, I think quite right, that someone like a Holland might be the type of person. So when you're looking at Holland, there's probably, just because of his personal past, a more likelihood that he would end up going to the Premier League and maybe a club that has the stature of United uh, than Real Madrid, especially when you have a, a, uh, a Kylian Mbappe who pretty much has had the shingle out for the last two years. Well, that is it then for today. My thanks go to Phil Shane for joining me earlier today. Now, do enjoy the first Classico of the season. And let's hope there is something for you all to celebrate tomorrow night. Don't forget, you can catch up with all of the previous episodes of the podcast via the website at www.realmadridpodcast.com. Well, that is it from me. I'll be back early next week as we look back on El Clasico 1 and ahead to Borussia Mönchengladbach in Champions League next week. For the moment, though, from me, Tim Capel, bye-bye for now. (laughs) 